Amen and amen. All right, you know the story. My wife Elizabeth left me for 12 days to fend for ourselves with the children. And uh, by the grace of God, I survived. And I will tell you something. I feel like I can now relate more with moms. I feel like I'm in the mom's club after that harrowing experience. Now, I did a good job. I kept the house clean, all right? Now, we, we did laundry. We vacuumed. Dishes were done. Clothes were put away. I had the kids dressed, ready to go for school. I did forget snacks for one of the kids, but my sister had the foresight to make up for that. Thank God for that. <laughs> I did okay. But you know what I found out that probably a man doesn't know? Is that when you're taking care of children, when you got lots of kids around there like that, it's almost like you lose yourself in taking care of people. I didn't have any concept of that. Like, you're busy involved in other people, and it's almost like you lose that sense of individuality. And what I discovered is that motherhood is like super self-sacrificial. I think more so than fatherhood. Fatherhood is the ability to affirm and establish an identity in a child. Motherhood is about nurturing. Now, I was really drawn to the 25th verse in John's gospel here. And what I found are uh, four women at the foot of the cross. And in this 25th verse, I'm going to highlight this verse throughout the morning. It said, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, that's Mary, the virgin mother, uh, and then it says his mother's sister, who we'll talk about, and then Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And each of these women represents something or someone in your life uh, from, that, that you can receive from as a mom. You maybe need it in your life, or as a mom, maybe you can provide this in someone's life. And probably each of these women were mothers at some point in their life. Uh, we know some of them were. Um, you know, when I think about this morning, I think about motherhood being something that they can provide children that fathers cannot provide them with, in the same way that fathers provide children with things that mothers do not. Now, in recent years in America, you know, you could say that fatherhood and masculinity has been under attack. Like, they, they dumb you down in sitcoms and make fun of men. And then we got this thing called toxic masculinity where people are afraid of, you know, overbearing, grunting old men. I like to take the kids camping and let them get very dirty in the woods. I like it when they play with tools and get bloody fingers. And I'm not afraid of that. That's part of being a man. And, you know, it, it's true. I think the number one problem in society is the delinquency of the father figure. I was just over here at Canyon Creek School with Mr. Lip, the superintendent. He was telling me they did a, a countywide study and found that the biggest demographic who's struggling with fatherlessness is, is a boy about the ages of 10 to 14 years old. And so the school and various you know, programs across the city and the state, they're, they're really working to shore this up because it is an epidemic in America. And so we know that's pretty true. Everyone's kind of aware of that. But you never would have thought you live in a day now where motherhood and women's, women are under attack. I mean, did you think you'd have to protect, you know, women from having their own sports programs? You know, I, I, like someone said, I'm okay with men being in women's sports if I can bet on it. And I'll take the gal in the size 11 shoes. <laughs> I got a feeling about her. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. <laughs> uh, I, and you can't, you can't shy away from it. You have to talk about it. Because society's getting to a point where you need to be vocal about truth. Yeah. And that's one uh, that I'm not backing down from. 
that God created men and women in his image, and it is so important for women, you know, to, to, to be honored who they are. And recently in Montana, the state uh, capital was overrun by protesters. I think you probably saw that. But if I do my math correctly, we've got 8 billion and change people born on this planet, and every one of them was born from a mom. So I'm going to honor women this morning. I want to just talk to you about the ministry of mothers and what they provide, because you know, these, are, these women, they all represent characteristics of childbearers. And um, motherhood's a ministry unlike anything other. Uh, it's a ministry to individual people. You got four women, and each of them represents something. So let's, let's just walk through the verse here. John 19, 25, the Lord put this verse on my heart. I couldn't get away from it. There stood by the cross of Jesus, woman number one, his mother. That's what my friend Kevin calls him. He's from Boston. His mother, Mary. The first woman mentioned here is Mary, uh, the virgin. Uh, she's called the elect wife uh, in, in 2 John. And what she speaks to me about is about how motherhood uh, provides depth of relationship. There, there's a depth that comes. Uh, if, if there's a deep emotional bond that takes place between a mom and her children. I, I love history. I love reading, you know, like, stuff about World War I, World War II. World War I has so many stories of young men jumping out of foxholes and getting mowed down. And they, they have more than one account of, of a guy bleeding out somewhere in a field, and his dying words are mother or mommy. And, and that's because of that deep emotional connection. You know, I, I like what the 128th Psalm says. It, it says that uh, a wife should be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. And that's because women are at the centerpiece of a home. I know that's the way it is in my home. And that, that, that just tells you where that connection is made. A connection is made, that deep emotional bond, through a number of different avenues. Let me just talk about some of the ways connections are made with people. One of the ways that a mom can connect with a child, and if you're a dad, this applies to you as well, is through touch, physical touch. Now, you know, my mom used to run around the house tackling me you know, when I was a kid, it was about like 10 or 11 before I could really start fending her off. <laughs> and now I get to do the tackling. There's nothing more enjoyable than chasing a screaming five-year-old around the house. And I get to tackle them and kiss them and give them whisker burns. And <laughs> but, you know, Jesus, it says that he touched the little children. He said, let them come to me. And he put his hands on them. And psychologists actually say that you need to be touched between 10 and and 20 times a day. That is where a bond starts being formed. It's, it's through that first sense of touch. Another way a bond is formed, an emotional connection, is through care. This is the, uh, that's, that's the word that means nurturing. As I said, women are natural nurturers. A lot of time that is spoken and communicated in, ver in nonverbal ways. It's expressed, and that's what children crave. Now, I was taking care of my boy. I was getting him ready for school. You know, that's a project, getting three kids up and ready to go for school. We're brushing our teeth, we're talking, and he said, Dad, don't take this the wrong way. But he was like, Mommy is like a, a better prayer or something than you. And I was like, really? Yeah, what, what, what do you mean, bud? And he was like, well, you know, she loves me and squeezes me and, you know, talks to me. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's called nurture. And Mommy is better at nurturing. And he said, it's okay, Dad. I suppose one day I'll be a dad, too. And I was like, 
But women have that natural ability to nurture things. My wife is an extraordinary nurturer. That's why we get along so well, because opposites attract. Yeah. Uh, when, uh, when you think about um, how to make a bond with a person, one of the ways that you do that is through intentionality. You, you have to really put the effort, in, and that means that you're going to have to uh, make some time to check off of your phone. I know that's hard to do. Turn the television off. And when it comes to children or people that you love, you kind of have to get out of your world and step over into their world and, and enjoy the things that they enjoy. Uh, you know, Elizabeth learned how to watch football. Praise God. That, that was wonderful. I mean, in my, our relationship. But, you know, my kid, he's not so much into sports. And uh, I love sports, so I have to find a way to connect with him. Fortunately, he likes going outside. He wants to try you know, mechanics, so I'll have to learn some mechanic stuff. But that, that's intentionality. That's involvement in their life. You know what it, it takes to create a bond with people is one-on-one -on -one time together. And, you know, I heard one guy say that the secret to raising children was 15 minutes of alone time a day with the child. If you can do that, you know, and you get that moment with them, you, you'd be amazed at, at the bond that is created. So in our neighborhood, we got some trails around the house, and we go for walks, and I'd say about six or eight minutes in, my kid will start opening up to me. They'll start talking about their time in school. And if you can get a child, if you can get a spouse, if you can get a friend to open up to you and start talking to you about their life, that is where uh, a bond is formed. That, that's how those things start growing and relationships start coming open. Uh, and when you establish that emotional bond, it provides children with a, a sense of security in their life. And it, in other words, it puts them at ease. You know, when, when people talk to you, that's how you know that you're at ease with them. Like, like they start opening up their heart. And, you know, when they've got security, it creates then stability, which is a foundation for you to build your life upon. I mean, imagine what's going on in this moment here at the cross with Jesus and his mother. Such a painful moment, man. What is going on through Mary's heart and mind. I mean, in verse 26, it says Jesus looked down, he saw his mother. And the next verse, it says that he gave John, the beloved, that disciple, care over his mom. Now, you might feel like you don't have much of a bond, maybe with a mother, maybe with a friend. You know, you, you might feel like, I don't have anyone I'm deeply connected to. But what this verse tells me, these verses, is that God's always got someone in your life you can connect with. He will always bring someone into your life so you can have an outlet because it meets a need with people. And Jesus, he saw his mother in this place, and he saw John, and it's like they fit together to form that connection. And I, I bet Mary was just sitting there thinking about the words that Simeon the prophet had spoke over her 33 years earlier when he said, a sword would pierce your own soul. It, it, that 30 years before Jesus was on the cross, and it made sense to Mary in that moment. If God really has ever given you a word, if you got a word from the Lord, don't ever let go of it. Maybe he's given you a word about your children coming back to him. Hold on to those promises. Because if God said it, he'll do it. Now, what it takes in order for you to, to have a great connection are these things, touch and, and nurture and, and, and kind words. And, and if you can do that, there's a depth of relationship. That's what happened between Jesus and his mother. Now, a, a second Woman. The next woman found here at the foot of the cross. Look at verse 25. It said, There stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and 
his mother's sister. His mother's sister. Uh, this is Jesus' aunt. Now, I am grateful for my Logos Bible software program, which cost a couple thousand dollars. And I can search all through commentaries and church history. We can dig up and try to find out who this is referring to, because there's some debate over it. But the reason there's commas in between Mary and uh, his mother's sister, Mary, is because generally scholars believe this is referring to a woman here who's only found at this one point in Scripture. And, and this would be Jesus' extended family, his aunt, Mary's sister, who's there with him. And when I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about extended family, the word that came to me was dependability. Motherhood is about dependability. And I'm blessed to have incredible extended family members in my life. They are a source of reliability and loyalty and trustworthiness and consistency. And oh, how grateful am I to have that? You know, there's a verse in Proverbs 17, 17. And it tells us that a friend loves at all time, but a brother is born in the time of adversity. In other words, they're there when you need them. I used to think that verse meant, you know, that they're going to argue with you and fight with you, but that's not what that verse means. It means when you have a real need, like the time when my mom was up with my grandparents and their house up in Bainville on the High Line, and they left the house to my sisters and I. We were living there like college kids. And uh, the sump pump in the basement went out. Do you know how horrible it is to have a sump pump go out? I called Grandpa. I said, hey, man, I, I, this went out. And he was like, yeah, you're on your own. Ha, 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 fix it. <laughs> but you know what was great? I had a soon-to-be brother-in-law who wanted to impress his girlfriend, my sister, and he helped fix that sump pump. A man will go to great ends to impress a woman. You know that? So he was there when I needed him. I've always been grateful for that. <laughs> the biblical pattern, you know, you got Miriam and Moses, and sometimes they got in conflict, but Miriam, Moses, and Aaron were there for each other. They had each other's backs. They were dependable in moments when you needed them. <clears throat> dependable. What did dependable people provide for you? Well, the first thing that someone who's dependable will provide in your life is a sense of empathy. They're empathetic, which means they provide emotional support. And, and man, that, that can take you a long way. Uh, emotional support is what happens when you, when you, you know, are struggling with something. My sister Amanda is a dental hygienist, and when she was that college age, she was going up to school in Great Falls, and it was hard on her. She'd never been away from home, and she'd feel like, I can't do it. This is too hard, and we'd get on the phone with her, and we were like, you can do this. You can get through this, and we'd, we'd have to do it a couple times. She'd feel, I can't make it, but we encouraged her, and, and, and I, I was like, no, I was in school. I know what it's like to be alone, and, and, and that little bit of support helped her get into a really great job now. She's happy she does it. So, there's, there's empathy that comes when you're dependable. And when you're dependable with people, uh, you can bring relief into their life. In other words, you can comfort them when they're down. And I never forget the Winter Olympics in 2018. Now, the only thing I like about February is the Winter Olympics. The trouble is it only comes once every four years. So I was in a sort of discouraged moment. I've been dealing with some troubles. Uh, and I remember my, my, my wife's sister, Jackie, who was visiting down here at that time. Now she lives here, but I remember she, you know, had come home from a date, and she was just, you know, came in there, and we got to talking as we watched the Olympics. I'll never forget the comfort that her words gave to me when I needed them, and, and I, I'm sure grateful for dependable family members. You know, when, when people are dependable, that means that they will be with you in a time of need, like when you really need them, they'll be there. Like when I have to call my mom and say, I need a babysitter. 
<laughs> I don't want to dip from the barrel too much, though. You know, my mom has been so good like that, and uh, I'm grateful, you know, to have a little help when I need it from her. And, and uh, it made me laugh because Trudy's moving down here, my other, my, my, my wife's mom. And so I'm reminding mom, man, you don't got a lot more babysitting to do because Trudy owes you, you know. Trudy will be doing some babysitting here at some point. If you're watching Trudy, that's right. You know, it's coming. <laughs> if all else fails, then i really in a jam, though. You know who I can always call for help? My Aunt Marcia. She, you know, she, she's very dependable. I, I'm blessed to have dependable people around me. And, you know, it's not just the times that you're in need. Dependable people will even help you when you have a want. And I had a great time. Well, I, it was, I had the children with me for 12 days without Elizabeth. She had a great time. She was uh, in Israel. And it reminded me of this time in 1981 when my mom went on a trip to Israel. I think Seanette went with them on that one. And they went to Israel, and they left me as a baby with my Aunt Marcia. And just because mom had the chance to go. Now, mom says when she came home, I had a diaper rash. But Marcia says when mom dropped me off, I had a diaper rash. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> it was great because Marcia's so dependable. She's like, you know, a glutton for punishment. You need something? No. <laughs> I'm sure grateful, though. I have been uh, blessed by so much help and, and family members who are dependable, and I, I'm, I'm just grateful for that. You know, um, you've got to learn to appreciate people who are dependable. Uh, confidence in a great verse in Proverbs 25, verse 19, and it says confidence in an unfaithful person. Confidence in someone who's not dependable is like a bad tooth or a foot out of joint because when you put pressure on it, they just can't hold up. And if you've ever worked with someone like that or had to deal with people, you know the frustration that comes along. So there's, there's a tremendous blessing that comes when people are dependable. You might be sitting there thinking, man, I didn't have dependable parents, and I don't know anyone who's dependable, and you might start feeling a little frustrated by that. But what I've discovered in life is that if you will be the dependable person, God will bring dependable people to you. If you'll be the one who's faithful, if you'll be the one who goes out of their way to be a blessing, help people when they need it. If you'll be the one to be an encourager, God will send people to encourage you in your life. I am grateful for dependable people. And that's what mothers are. They're dependable. Now, a third woman found here at the foot of the cross. This, this verse, if you break it up, man, it's, it's pretty rich. There stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Aunt Marcia was there. That tells you how old she was. And then we got number three, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Now, this is why we have these Bible software programs. This is not the wife of Cleopas. That's, that's uh, Luke 24. We, believe it or not, there's a great difference between Clopas and Cleopas, even in the original language. I, I looked it up, and it, it's, it's pretty well considered that this woman uh, was married to a man named Alphaeus, and so she was the, um, the wife of... Alphaeus, the mother of James, the less, he's one of the disciples, this in, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 3. And so this mom was one of the mothers of the disciples who was there at the crucifixion. And what, what it highlights for me is that mothers provide discipline in a home. They provide a form of discipline. To be a disciple, by nature, you have to be a disciplined person. And that's, that's who's there, someone who really bought into Jesus and his ministry, and, and her son is a disciple, and he buys in. 
You know, discipline is the practice of training people. Uh, it, it's how a code of conduct is developed. It's how your ethics work out. And, and it, it's what you watch in people's life as you grow, where, as where discipline comes from. Jesus said, I only do the things I see my father do. He saw his father doing something, miracles and multiplication and blessing people. He saw it in his spirit when he's praying, and he did it. And Paul said to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He provided an example. Jesus had 12 disciples who emulated him. And, and everything that he did, they sought out to do. They spread the gospel to the known world at that time. Many of them were martyred. Uh, and, you know, the same thing is true with your children. They're emulating you. They're watching you. And, and you know, this is something I know because I have children now. And, and, and it's like, man, they, they do everything. Yeah, I just did this parent-teacher conference. That's why we're over here at Canyon Creek School. And, you know, it was amazing. I found out that my son, he's like um, a little mini-me. The teacher said that he speed reads and does not pay attention to details. And Elizabeth was nudging me. Then we got over to Lydia, who's one of Elizabeth's mini-me's. And uh, I got to nudge her back. <laughs> Children emulate the things they see their parents do. Discipline is how character is formed in children. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, no discipline is joyful in the present. But afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to people who have been trained by it. There's a training that takes place. And I've just found out that when people are trained, that discipline in your life is a win. Discipline is a win. Uh, disciplined people have sound minds. Like, like they're... The Bible says God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And that means that they can control their thought life. Uh, th th that means they'll make good decisions. They're not given to being impulsive. Uh, you know, I remember I was talking to someone one time, and I was explaining, you know, retirement plans. And they said to me, oh, well, you know, retirement plans are for lucky people. And I was like, no, the retirement accounts are for disciplined people. <laughs> I mean, there's a plan and you're following through with it. And it's not just doesn't happen because you got lucky. It's because you applied yourself. You, you had a sound mind when it came to it. Uh, disciplined people have coping skills. That means they have the fruit of self-control in their life. Boy, that is a neglected fruit. I watch people jump around all over churches trying to get prophetic words, but I don't see a lot of people who really want to exercise and revel in self-control. Uh, <laughs> They can handle stress. You know, it's a funny thing, taking care of children all the time. It creates stress. You can't get away from them. It's always, Dad, hey, Dad, or I'm hungry. I just fed you. And that puts stress on people. But I was able to uh, be organized. I had a sound mind. We had plans in place. And that really helped me get through and have some coping skills when I needed it. Uh, disciplined people know how to love well. When you're disciplined, you're slow to anger. And, and you're calm. And, and I found out that when God does move, maybe in a prophetic way or a gift, if your love life is operating, it becomes so much easier and enjoyable to minister to somebody. It requires the love of God for that to operate. Uh, I remember coming home inebriated in a high school, you know, in high school, and my my, my mom did not get angry. She maintained her composure. And that witnessed to me. And, and that 
you know, engagement, just talking back and forth. That is what really, I saw it was real, man. That, that, that love in the moment when, when you feel like you're about to lose control, discipline goes a long way. Now, I learned to be disciplined spiritually because I, had, I saw it at home. I saw people who would pray and have Bible study, and they spent all their time praying. And, and you know, today I, I watch as people will get their kids in all kinds of things. You know, a kid can keep you busy. I mean, you know, you got academics and you got athletics. There's never an end of things to do. But if you will set the example in your home and you'll create a place where it's important to have spiritual and disciplined atmosphere, God will bless that. I remember what that was like, man. I'd come home from a busy day in the second grade, and I just wanted to check out and play Nintendo. But mom had like banana bread, grapes, and blue cheese. And then we would study the Bible. And I, now I look back at it, man, that discipline has carried me through so many things in life. So that's what motherhood is about. It's about providing discipline in your home. All right, the last lady found here at the foot of the cross, this 25th verse. There stood by Jesus' cross, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophus. And now we got character number four, Mary Magdalene. She's called Mary Magdalene because Magdala is the town she was from. And in Bible characters are often identified because of the place they came from, like Joseph of Arimathea or Judas Iscariot. Judas was from a town called Iscariot. And so Magdal, you can actually go there. I've been there. And if we get to go to Israel, you know, you see that place. They just recently discovered it about 10 years ago, and it's an actual synagogue there in the Sea of Galilee. They know Jesus was there because it says that in the Bible. Mary Magdalene was from that place. The key characteristic about Mary Magdalene, you study it here, and you see it in other places in the gospel. She was delivered of seven demonic spirits. That's what the Bible says. And, you know, in this hour that we live in, I'm telling you, there's a great need for deliverance. We are living in a demonically inspired generation. Here's what it tells me about motherhood. Mothers provide deliverance for their children. I mean, there's something crucial about being a mom who can deliver. That means you, you know how to set someone free or rescue them. There's a great story in 2 Chronicles 22 about a woman named Jehoshabeth, the only time she's mentioned in the Bible. And a, a wicked queen named Athaliah was trying to snuff out and kill the royal family, and she took the baby Joash and hid him alone. And she delivered that baby from imminent death. That's, that's motherhood. How, how can you minister deliverance to your family in these days in which we live. And I'll tell you where it starts. It starts, first of all, by getting kids saved, man. Get them full of the Word of God. Uh, you, you might get them out to church. <laughs> I shudder when I think about people I've heard say, well, I, I don't want to push it on my kids. I will let them come to their own conclusion. Because generally, as I've seen, that doesn't work out very well. You need to be intentional and involved in your children, child's life. Now, uh, we're, in, we're in chapter 19. Flip down to uh, John chapter 20. Go over to John chapter 20, just the next chapter over. You will find in this 20th chapter that Jesus made appearances uh, to women. And the first woman he appeared to at his resurrection was this woman, Mary Magdalene. And this is what, when, when Jesus appeared to her, look at verse 17. He said, don't cling to me, uh, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go. Someone say go. go. But he said, go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that these things he had spoken to her. 
Mary Magdalene became the first evangelist in the Bible. That is an incredible thing. The first woman, the first person Jesus commissioned to share the gospel was uh, 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 Mary Magdalene. It tells me that mothers play a vital role in evangelizing their children. There's something super significant about that, uh, about evangelizing and delivering your children. If you want to deliver your child, you got to learn how to give them advice because they need wisdom. Teach them the Bible. Like I told you, we had Bible study after school, but I'm sure grateful for the advice that I got from my parents. I'm grateful for the advice that I get from older people in the faith. I mean, there's things that, you know, I've had moms tell me about as a pastor that I am grateful for and blessed by. Some of those perspectives go a long way. So if you're a child, listen to your mom. If you're a mom, give out advice. You also have to find a way to give out correction because they need to be warned. They need wisdom. Sometimes that wisdom comes in the form of a warning. Now, how many times did my mom warn me? I mean, she'd say, don't hang out with that guy. He's no good for you. And now, 20 years later, I'm like, you know, Mom, you were right about that. <laughs> uh, mom would tell me, don't drive so fast. That was good advice. <laughs> uh, I, I heard, you know, my mom tell me one time, don't date that girl. And in fact, you ought to dump that lady. That was also good advice. <laughs> I'm grateful for the warnings, but you know what I've found out that's true? If you don't have a bond, if you haven't really solidified your relationship with them, a lot of time the warning isn't heard. And if you have a relationship with someone, it, that, that's where a warning comes from. And, and it's important for, for you to have a connection when you're giving out a warning. Because I watch a lot of people, particularly people aged, between the ages of 13 and 23. They just don't seem to be ready to listen and take advice from mom. But if you've got a relationship, if they're connected, they'll listen to you. And if you really want to see your family delivered, you've got to learn how to pray for them. Man, they need your prayers. I love to tell the story of my own testimony. I was a rebellious teenage boy, and, I, and my mom prayed for me. I mean, like around the clock, like a zealot. She'd walk around that living room hours and pray, and left Bibles in my bed, anointed it with oil, and prayed for me, and she'd hit me after school. She said, I was praying for you today. <laughs> and she'd point her finger in my face. It's not an option for you to go to hell. I'm praying for you, and God is not going to let you go to hell. And something about her prayers, man, the prayers of a mom are powerful. Don't ever stop praying for your children and your family. And that's what the kids and I did. You know, we prayed for Elizabeth, and she escaped Israel in the nick of time because right where the place she was, they were having, you know, down at the Gaza Strip, man, they had bombs going off. I mean, in between the time she came back. And it was really, you know, quite a thing for her to see and experience. I'm grateful she made it back in one piece. I was thinking about motherhood and in your own life. And you, know, you hear a message like this and you can think, oh, man, I, I should have done that. I could have done this. But, you know, one thing I've learned about personal growth and development as a parent, as a pastor, is that... Uh, you want to grow in these things. So maybe there's a relationship in your life that needs to get better. Maybe you, you, gotta, maybe you think, man, i got to learn how to bond better. I have one child who it's like a struggle for me to bond with. And I, I, I'm like, I, I, so I had to change my method. Sometimes I tease too much. And I had to stop teasing, and I had to start hugging. I said, no, no, don't, don't tease. Hug. Let's hug. Uh, and that that seems to be working. I mean, I, I try to find a way 
to create something. Or, you know, maybe it's about being dependable. Are you a person who can keep their promises? You know what's amazing to me is that I still remember things that my dad told me that he didn't come through on. 30 years later, 20 years later, in my mind, I'm like, oh, dad said that, but he didn't do it. I don't know that he meant to. It's just sometimes that's how people process and take things. You want to be someone who's aware of what you're saying and is dependable because your children are watching. Um, Maybe it's the discipline you provide in a home. I know people who are consistent at it and stay calm, and I know people who are overbearing. And you want to make sure as a mom, as a dad, as a friend, that, that you're the right kind of discipline, the right tone is set. Uh, and, and maybe it has to do with deliverance in your family. We're living in an evil generation. Powerful says you've got to have a watchful eye. Isn't that right? And there's something about praying today that is so powerful in your life. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what areas you could look at and say, you know what? I want to grow in that area. I want to be better at, at having a bond established. I, I want a depth of relationship. Or maybe it has to do with discipline. Or I, I don't know what it is. But if, if that's you this morning, I just want to pray with you right now. I want to pray that you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Be better husbands and fathers and mothers. Better friends. Be- better people in our lives. Can we do that? Let's just take a moment. Lord, I just thank you for this great group of people. Mm. I thank you, Father, for growth and development. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be people who are caught up in condemnation about failures. I pray for the grace of the Lord, and I pray that from this day forward, we get better. We grow. We'd be, we'd, be be, we could, we'd be people who desire to become more like you and know how to communicate well. And I pray for wisdom and guidance in how we can create bonds and establish connections with people that we love. I pray, Lord, for supernatural moments from the Holy Spirit that allow us to be able to be that right person in that right moment. And I pray for discerning eyes to watch out over our families and our children. Lord, I thank you for prayers of people that are powerful and effective. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Amen. You know, there's a a unique love that mothers have for their children. And my dad told me that his mom, when she died, we went down for the funeral in California, and he said, there's nothing like losing a person who loves you unconditionally in life. He said it was a surreal experience because he felt totally loved by his mom. And, and there's an amazing love that a mother has for her children. But you know it's even more amazing? The love that Jesus has for you is greater than that of a mother. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you freely with a love that cannot be earned. It's freely given to you. And all you can do is receive it. And when you experience his love, it draws you into a place where you want to leave the world behind. Turn your back on it. That's what repentance is. And follow after him. This is a great day to experience that love. And so if I could, I'd just like to take a moment. If you're not right with the Lord, if your back is on him, if you've never experienced a love where you know he's got you, I want to just pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you don't know him, if you've never met him, if you haven't experienced that love, I'm telling you, this is a great morning because he loves you. He loves you beyond measure.
He loves you with every fiber of his being. And love will transform a person. So if you put your hand up, if you haven't experienced his love in a deep, meaningful way, and forgiveness of sin and repentance and relief that comes with that, I want to pray. All right. Amen. Just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your love for me. I pray you reveal it to me in a greater way every day of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Mm. Let's just stand up this morning. Ooh, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. God is good. God is good. He's for you. He's not against you. He's pleased with you. Amen. Amen. I just feel his presence. So if you want prayer, the altars are open. I'd love to pray with you. I hope that you get out and can enjoy some time with your mom today or the ones that you love or have a phone call with someone and, and, and I, I, I just God he loves family he loves family so much so if you if you need prayer we'd love to pray with you um, there is a gift out there in the foyer for all the mothers and it's all decorated and foo-fooed up looks very good and by the way we've got a nice picture booth over here so if you want to get a picture with your mother get a picture get something on the way out we'd love to connect with you all we love you very much and like I said if you want prayer we're here for you I just sense God's peace and goodness here in Jesus name Amen, amen. I love you all very much. We'll catch you all next week.